1: Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. Um, It's only the second podcast of the new season and already sidekick Josh has let me down by daring to go on holiday with his lovely wife and child. How dare he? Priorities all wrong, but fear not. We've got an excellent duo of guests to replace him instead. Just to replace him, in fact. We have Granite Xhaka's number one fan, a.k.a. Ricky Lawrence. Hi, Ricky.
0: Hello, Boyd. It does feel fitting that on the day that we've announced, have we actually officially announced it? I know it's been... I
1: think so. Well, yeah. it's definitely been announced via David Ornstein, which is all the yeah.
0: answers, isn't it? Yeah. It does feel fitting that that is the day, today's the day that I joined the podcast for the first yeah. time in a while, yeah.
1: Yeah, welcome, welcome anyway. We'll talk about Xhaka and all that later on, obviously. And we also have um, Footballistically Arsenal icon and Hector Bellerin's number one fan, Alan Alger. Hi, Alan. Good to be with you, Boyd. Yeah, great great to have you. Thanks, Alan. Um, before we get uh, into the nitty-gritty of the current Arsenal situation... Following our ignominious um, first game of the season against Brentford, I have to say that um, one of the joys of that Brentford game actually was to see that crowd, um, that their crowd, and some of our bold away supporters gathering for the first. And it's brilliant to have um, everyone back back in Stadia. But if you are watching the game at home, what better way to enjoy it than with beer fifty two beers. So when you're watching from the comfort of your home, they are offering eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best brewers on the planet for free. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash arsenal and just cover the £5.95 for the postage. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to every month. And every month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, and all over the USA and Europe. And if dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack. Don't worry, though, if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. So that's beer52.com forward slash Arsenal, beer52thefigures.com forward slash Arsenal, to get your first case of eight beers for a mere £5.95. Extraordinary scenes. Anyway, I think we probably were all, I believe. unless Alan, you didn't go to the match on Friday, did you, Brentford? I didn't. No, I wasn't there. No so we're all I guess watching from the comfort I, of everyone.
0: I was I was there boy.
1: You were there? Oh Ricky oh, well done there. Ricky. Ah oh, staunch yeah. staunch away fan. Yeah. What the atmosphere look, was looked
0: absolutely extraordinary. Um, sounded extraordinary. Yeah, I mean it's almost difficult I feel like maybe because I mean I went I was lucky enough to go to um well, I actually went to the um, the final of the Euros, um, but other than that, obviously having not gone to football match for so long, it was almost difficult to comp- having anything to compare it to. But I mean, for the I mean, it was just like polar opposites. The Brentford fans were just delirious, and the Arsenal fans I actually a couple of people are, have asked me if it was like toxic, but it wasn't. Not where I was. It was sort of just. It was unfortunately it was more just accepting of this is where resigned are. resigned. It was a bit. It was a bit. I mean, not you know, no one obviously well. You wouldn't expect us or at least hope that we wouldn't lose to Brentford, but there was definitely a different feeling to that game being there on Friday night, rather than games where you've gone with, you know, I don't know, places like Everton or, you know, um, Newcastle, West Brom, whatever, and been like, and we've lost there. And you think, okay, fine. That then the atmosphere has been a lot worse than it was on Friday, in my opinion, anyway, it depends on obviously where you're sitting, but it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't too, uh, it wasn't too bad considering we were losing at home, uh, sorry losing at, at a new promoted sign mm.
1: that's interesting yeah maybe maybe alan um we've all i i offer this possibility that we've all gone massively over the top arsenal fans as 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 we often do as all football fans do i guess but particularly arsenal fans in this era because i mean it was a terrible defeat and i saw like paul merson for example on sky was like you know this is One of the worst things I've ever seen, I'm paraphrasing. Um, And a lot of people were really, really scathingly furious about the whole thing. But in the cold light of day when suddenly your two first-choice strikers aren't available, and we'll get to that issue, why they weren't available, um, so you have to play Balogun up front for the first time ever in the Premier League, and uh, Martinelli's coming back just from the Olympics and obviously hasn't been training much, and you haven't got your first choice midfield dynamo who's injured for a few weeks, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you're playing this a team that, you know, are desperate, desperate. This is like a cup final for them, isn't it? You know, on their, for their first game in the Premier League ever, et cetera. Is it are we being too harsh? When saying it's a, it was a disastrous performance, or do you think it was a disastrous performance?
2: Um, I, I mean, I, I often think that there are too many overreactions to individual results and that you can only really make real judgments on groups of games. And, you know, I've, I've said that plenty of times before. Um, yeah, I think there were a few overreactions. I think a few people went over the top, but. You know, on one hand, the positive side could be that I think it was 20 odd shots, um, 65% possession. And, you know, there are a few little things you can attach to that. And, And also, you know, the main thing that I think has almost narrated Arteta's time at Arsenal in that he has been really unfortunate with luck including a lot of refereeing decisions. And you could argue that foul on Leno for goal number two, ball out for goal number one, and I'm absolutely convinced it was, and the penalty shout that we had. To so add all those in a basket and you say, well, let's not get too despondent about it because it could have gone the other way. But you look at the stats of teams coming into the division and their first game and... You know, I think it's it's three in the last eight years have won their first game. And we've just, you know, become that third. Um, that's a shocking start in, in, in that respect in that most teams come into this division and they find it tough from the off. And that's the day to catch them. And despite all the positivity about their stadium and the fact that, you know, there was a great story around them being back in the Premier League, they were Brentford. And I know from, from working in the betting industry that they have a fantastic uh, owner who is involved in the betting industry. And his whole uh, ethos behind the club is, 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 you know, analytics, proper scouting and things like that. And I think actually we might have underestimated them. So there's another factor there. And then there's other little factors that all fall upon us as a club. And as a setup, and an, um, as an as a coaching team, and as a squad, and those kind of things you can't get past, even if you want to balance the the positives and negatives of one individual game.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair enough, Ricky. went since you were there, I mean, often in fact, this is the thing. Mercer, I think, said this in his in his run. I don't know if you've seen it. He said, you know. Um, I think he was there, wasn't he? He said you can't necessarily see from, from the TV coverage because TV coverage is only covering five or six players any time. But when you're yeah. there, you can see how bad the whole 11 is performing. Did you think that? Did you think it was a terrible performance when you're watching it with your own eyes? Did you think that? I mean, did you, you know. Up front, we were weak, and we had it. Was it's right. So, as, as Alan says, we had these 22 shots, which is the most shots we've had under this manager, but weirdly, they were all completely
0: terrible shots, weren't they? So, it was like it completely cancels out that stat. Did it feel that way to you? a oh, 100%. I, 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 I was actually shocked when I saw that stat. I can, I, I can think of the Smith Row um chance, which he manufactured himself, and the Pepe shot, which was at 2 two 0 already. Um, the Jacques Jacques heading over the bar as well. Um, I, I thought we were absolutely terrible from, from start to finish. One of my friends said, oh, you know, we, um, you know, we, we had a good period in the second half. We were playing against, they, weren't, they, they, they went up through the playoffs. It's not like they stormed the championship. We played against the worst possible team in, in theory that we could have been playing against. And we couldn't, we, got, we made their keeper make one good save. It's, 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 there's no doubt it was absolutely terrible performance I can't really see how you how I'm not saying you are but I don't, I don't see how anyone could paint it up in any other way but just the fact that we didn't have Lacazette and Aubameyang available
1: for, for example doesn't it mitigate it a bit you know play, I mean if they'd have been playing I mean I know they haven't necessarily been in the well Lacazette's had a decent preseason. obviously Aubameyang hasn't Hasn't had the greatest of times, but surely if they'd have played instead of, say, Balogun and Martinelli, for example, we would have been sharper
0: up front, wouldn't we? we? We could have converted some of those chances. So, in theory, yes. I mean, there's also Brentford missed some good chances. They had, they had. I mean, the defending was, was, uh, it was it was it was laughable when I think he um, is it Mbremo, um, the Brentford other uh, centre forward, to Tony. He uh, managed to get past Mari, Jacker, and Ben White. It was it was it was embarrassing, and he hit it wide. It was actually a really uh, poor effort. He hit the post. It, I think the thing you hop back to Abamyang and um, Lacazette. These are two players. It's not like they flourish under Arteta or that Arteta has always been particularly enamored by either of them. There's clearly something going on between Aubameyang and Arteta. Not not, not mentioning the fact, you know, they were ill on Friday or whatever it was. Um, apparently it, it could have been COVID related, but I'm not, I'm not so much um, talking about that. There's clearly something going on between Arteta and Aubameyang anyway. So, I mean, Aubameyang, who knows where he probably would have started, but it's not like Arteta, he's the first name on the team sheet under Arteta, or that he I believe he pretty much should be. But Arteta obviously is not Arteta's guy. Lacazette, who knows? So yeah, they would have started and we would have been better with them. But to say that it would have made a difference, yeah, it would because they're two very good players, but they're not they're not in great form. Like Aubameyang had his worst season, and I don't think it's coincidence that it came under Arteta, but he had his worst season for Arsenal. And therefore, you know, if that, if it's not that surprising that even then we're playing, that weren't playing on Friday.
1: Alan, there's, there is, it's it's true, isn't it? That I, I, I hear as well that it's, it's a, um, it's a COVID issue with the two of them. Um, I can't, there's a couple of things here, just, just, just just to get this out of the way before we carry on talking about the match in a minute. But just to deal with all and Lacazette, the whole thing. First of all, I think, as far as I'm aware, Arsenal is the only club. Right? I listened to Five Live on Saturday when they went through the team news. I don't know if you, you know, what you were doing, and they went through the team news, for, you know, for the whole Premier League and the, pretty much, you know, the two divisions beneath. And regularly, the um, the uh, match reporters were saying, "Oh, so and so's out with COVID, or so and so's um, isolating because of COVID, or so and so tested positive COVID." It happened like five or six times in the space of about you know half an hour of team news. Arsenal have. Two of our most important players go absent mysteriously on the day the, the, you know of, of the match. No clue in the build-up at all this, this was happening. Not, not, you know, completely secret. Then, when asked about it before the match, the manager is kind of weirdly mysterious, saying, I can't really say more anything. And then the club refuses to confirm or deny that it's ended with COVID. And then, to make it worse, in the week... Uh, well, before that, to make it worse, Arteta was asked about whether Aubameyang's in decline and kind of gave a weirdly, like, kind of maybe-he-is answer, which I thought was astonishing. So to to underline the point that there may be, conspiracy theorists maybe there is some issue between him and Aubameyang. So we ended up in this weird situation where the conspiracy theorists kind of, why wouldn't they come up with a conspiracy?
2: Because it's such a mysterious situation. Completely. Completely. Uh, Yeovil Town is the only other team I can (laughs) give you that... (laughs) have cancelled again because of because of covid they they've, they've cancelled their national league opener this coming weekend um, i i i i honestly i mean i have no insight as to what's going on but from an outside point of view it doesn't look right that that can even happen and sh- i mean the other thing that you would the other point you'd make about that is that surely if you've got two that have got potential covid then how does that relate to the rest of the squad that they've been with and in very close contact with in training? You know, you, you play sort of close-sided games in training. There's no doubt that defenders have got close to them. How was that not a complete shutdown maybe of the whole team? And I don't know what, what, what protocols are in place to, like what threshold you have to get to to say, right, he misses out, but he doesn't but everyone would have been in close contact. Everyone would have been around each other for that final week of preparation. How is it that, you know, these two players where we already think we've got a few issues, certainly with uh, Aubameyang, suddenly miss out? I mean, that was that was the baffling thing for me. Um, and you can dress it up as saying, well, at least, you know, others got a chance to play in those positions. But, I mean, that, that brings me to the point that, the arsenal social team did did them absolutely no favours whatsoever just to sell a few third kits by by putting deadly underneath their three kits prior to the game i mean yeah. they had one shot they had one shot on target between yeah. them. i yeah. mean that that's just asking for trouble all these things are uh, it's it's just so many things wrong at the club yeah. at the moment.
1: It's, that that was the social so, media equivalent of the of the mad woman I heard on Five Live and on. I've mentioned Five Live, but you know I just this yeah. all the time. On in the in, on the day of the game, it was going on about the American woman. It was going on about we <laughs> can't possibly lose to Brentford. who's going to walk all
2: over them. It was absolutely I, ridiculous. I, I bizarrely asked you what she was wearing, Boyd. with yes. obviously on radio is completely yes. ridiculous. But um, there is a there is an American woman in our fan base who's quite famous for having right. wild views right. and <laughs> yeah. optimism going into that is obviously yeah. another one to add to the bill if it's who I'm thinking of
1: yeah, I'm sure it was before Ricky before we come back to you and before we talk more about the game on Saturday and all the other issues we have and we've got a lot of issues let's take a quick break And we're back from the break. Um, uh, Ricky, you were about to say something
0: before I quickly but, cut you off. No, no, no. Well, you mentioned um, the Arteta comments on Aubameyang. Oh, yeah. And it, it, is, it is baffling. bad thing. I think the way I see it is if we were having this conversation maybe in April or May of last year, and you would say there's clearly, I believe anyway, a, a clash between captain and manager, and to be honest, in my opinion, still probably behind Saka now, um, star player and, and manager, I would say maybe Arteta has a chance. He's got enough backing by the board apparently that he could win this battle. But now I think it's you know the way I see it is it's going is Arteta will leave, um, and Aubameyang will come out as the victor. I, 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 when? I
1: when's, our, when's, when's Arteta going to leave?
0: <laughs> wow. Well, Okay. you're talking what's, like what's, the what's, near future what's, what's the time what's the time now let's hope before this podcast finishes. no um no I'm talking you know well Bamiang has effectively got what 16 days to leave if he's going to go in this transfer window and I've heard no talk of that happening so I'm assuming that Bamiang's is going to be here in uh come September the 1st and if you're a betting man would you bet on the same um case being for Arteta because I wouldn't I hope not unless wow. he manages to perform miracles well I mean we just lost at home to, uh I keep saying at home we lost we just lost to Brentford. We have got Chelsea, and Man City next. We got Spurs in the next five or six games. Do you think Arteta will still be here in January? Because I, like I said, oh up. January, well, that's, that's, well, the, that's what I mean. That's the, yeah, that's the next yeah. time about can leave. Right. So right. I, I compare it to look at um, like Deli and Mourinho. Mourinho yeah. came in, yeah. made an enemy of him straight away, alienated him. Deli Ali was this, he was that. He barely kicked a ball under him. And yesterday, I think he ran the most uh, out of any player on the pitch. Spurs beat Man City, and Mourinho is managing Roma. Um, who I know, I, I know, you know, they're not embarrassing team to manage. But he left, and Dele Ali's there, and the fans I think are, are pretty fond of him. And I think the same could well be could well happen for Aubameyang. I think Aubameyang is an absolutely brilliant player. I think Arsenal's biggest issue is scoring goals, and we've got a striker who, well, everyone are playing, but he, an, an unbelievable player who, yes, had a poor season last year. But in my opinion, he had a poor season because of the man who was managing him, not because of his ability. And I think Aubameyang will win the win the battle between him and Arteta because it's much much easier to to get rid of the manager who's massively underperforming than than a player and players who are who are doing similar I think you know there's no doubt in my mind that lots of managers can get a lot better out of not just him but a lot of the players in the squad and I think a lot of the players in the squad are very poor but I still think manager other managers could do better
1: it does feel like a different it, it feels like it feels like a like decades ago, doesn't it, Alan? To me, anyway, <laughs> when when, when um, we felt like we had the, one of the best strikers in the world, really, who could rescue our mediocrity regularly by kind of manufacturing goals almost on his own. I mean, obviously, they weren't literally on his own. He, they were assists and they were build-up play to, to, to enable him to have these chances. But he was, you know, he was like joint golden boot. He was, you know, in a couple of years, he was like easily kind of scoring goals, I front and center. He was, inc- he was like, yeah, we, as Ricky says, he was... one presumes, still is a world-class player. So when... I'm going to read you the exact quote. This was the quote from this press conference where Arteta was asked about Aubameyang's... Is it a decline? Um, And he said, I don't know. Last season and everything that happened individually, collectively around the club with everybody, it was difficult to measure whether it was a trend or a one-off. So basically he's saying, he's basically saying his number one striker, maybe it is a trend that he's in decline. I mean, that is a fucking, I mean, basically a fucking stupid thing to
2: say, isn't it in public? About yeah, your- and, and it's almost like everyone's been a little bit too simplistic with his drop off in form saying, I'm pretty sure, you know, because he's out, he's out wide and he's being used on the left wing and, no, you're you're dead right, Boyd. You're you're you've remembered it right in that he was he was being effective from both positions and he was a top striker and he was getting us out of trouble and he was scoring goals on a regular basis and as you said, you know, he came close to well, he golden boot one year and then missed it by one goal um following after that. So that yeah, there's absolutely no doubt, as Ricky has already said, that he is a top player that's capable of performing in this division. And when you start ticking those off, and there aren't that many in the squad, but there's certainly at least a few. When you start ticking those off, it suddenly points at the person that's trying to get the best out of them. And that that's the fear for Arteta. That's that's the huge fear for him. In the, and, and you talk about his quotes. I mean, his quotes are bizarre a lot of the time. I think he has a weird... Uh, someone said, someone said the other day, and I I actually sort of tried to work it out. Someone said last night, and obviously Man City had already lost you in the day, but someone tweeted Pep and Arteta are cut from exactly the same cloth. And they try to be too clever with their football management. The only difference Hmm. that propels Pep is that he's got better players to get him out of that overthinking and trouble. And you, you almost start to think then and say, I wonder if you know Pep was in charge of these, would they be the same? And you know, he's overthinking of the Champions League. Is it a method? Is it is it an actual management style that Arteta's picked up on as well? But Arteta's got to do it with Arsenal and Pep's got to do it with City, and that's why it's different. But actually they're exactly the same. And and people were saying that in the in the positive times, they were saying, Oh, you know, we've got we've got Pep Mark II here and you know this is going to be great for us, but I think it's well worth exploring that that Arteta is someone that just overcomplicates it. You can see it in his, you can see it in his answers to his questions, his, pre, you know, his press, his press conferences, his management, his micromanagement that I've mentioned so many times, and none of that does him any favors. And and one of the biggest things coming out of this game was that we're being talked about as such a small club now because people were saying that the, the the chelsea and city games the upcoming games that ricky mentioned earlier they're almost saying oh they, these are a bit of a freebie for yeah, arteta that's... and arsenal because yeah. no one's expecting them to get any points and wouldn't it be wonderful if you know one of them was a draw and that that you can't be in that space as a big club because it's small club talk and it all rests on arteta and as soon as we go down that route you, you He's got no chance of coming out away from it in a positive light.
1: That Pep comparison is really interesting because I, I, I mean, it's funny enough. I, I said very much after the Champions League final for me. I, I've, I've, I've thought this about Pep for a look quite a while. Like, I, you know, I watched some of, funny enough, All or Nothing. You know, the the Amazon documentary that they're now mean Can you imagine what the, the the scenes of carnage that are going to be when our version arrives on TV later this year? But I remember watching All or Nothing with Pep, and of course when. When Arteta was still there, and um, he loves he loves his own brilliance is one way of putting it, and he loves, as you say, he's famously coming up with super clever, you know, weird formations, putting playing players out of position, not playing the false nine, not playing strikers, and all of that. And I do think, and I know he won the league by convincingly. And and people, and there was a, the thing in the Gu- Guardian headline today about their performance against Spurs, saying you know flawed Man City, etc. And people were going, oh, flawed. They easily, you know, they easily won the league, but. When it comes down to it, in the last three game, really important games, he's fucked it up, hasn't he, I think, tactically. And, but particularly the tactics he
0: has, Pep's tactics... Um, Ricky, can we can, we, See, can we not can we not call the Community Shield an important game, please?
1: I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, you're right. Thank you. I, I, I stand corrected. I agree. Sorry, <laughs> the Community totally Shield is not a trophy. There. Yeah, we we're I'm all with you there. Me. All right, but th- those games. So anyway, you sound like Mourinho a bit there. I know, no, no, the no. Yeah, I take that back. Absolutely, stand corrected. But my point is the the way he overthinks things and the way he sets Man City out, which, funny enough. Again, was didn't work against Spurs because they were slightly under, you know, underperforming, and they were, looked as slow. I said this on Twitter. They looked as slow and predictable as we do sometimes, you know. Um, but what my basic point is that his way of playing with City, which is very, was they call it positional, isn't it? It's very, it is quite pre, full of precise movements that he's carved out and he's worked out in his super brain. I thought Arteta is playing us. He's been play, We've been playing like that, but we haven't got our players are
0: nowhere near that good. So it's a <laughs> massive problem. I think we're in dangerous territory here of comparing Arteta and, and Guardiola. I mean, Well, I, I'm comparing them in the
1: in their I, All I'm saying is, I think that's my way of saying, I'm not comparing them and saying that Arteta's anywhere near as good, but he's, try, he's trying to be a pep. That's the problem, and he's not. And more um, of the players, Man
0: City players. I think that's just to mention one of Alan's points. I, I 100% agree with him. Arteta talks some of the most nonsense like, mm-hmm. I find it staggering, some of the things he says. It's like, I can't remember who he played last season, but he was questioned on the amount of crosses we put in, and he came up with something like, if you just keep crossing the ball, logic dictates you're going to score. Or worse of that effect. It
1: was Tottenham away. Tottenham it was away. Tottenham
0: away. Well, it was,
1: the Brentford game was proof that that's not true, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah, well,
0: um, I think with regards to Guardiola, I mean, I, I think he gets, He's. Uh, um, I would say he's, over a since that, he's only managed the best teams, pretty much best teams, and he's got an insane amount of money, and they're close to probably, possibly, anyway, spending another hundred plus million on on the best, if not one of the best players in the country. We are in we're comparing apples and oranges in terms of resource resources, but yeah, also yeah. I think I'll t- I'll t- that's t- t- my matter, point. Therefore, my point is that w- yeah. without those resources, there's no point no. trying to play like them of course I think where, where I struggle slightly in my own head is that I think Arteta and I don't mean to be too harsh but I, I can't think of any redeeming features across <laughs> his FA Cup win was fantastic he mm. came when did he come in and hit Christmas and he won the FA Cup and, and he also had to beat Chelsea and Man City to win it um, and fair play like you know that was fantastic and if you would have said do you want him to start the season the next season I'm sure I would have said 100% it didn't take very long into that season where I wanted him out, not not just because of the results, but I think this is where I heart back to redeeming features. I think we played incredibly, incredibly dull football under Arteta. It's painful. I think I remember listening to the pod after we beat Chelsea 1-0 away. Um, and understandably, to a certain degree, there was praise for him. But I remember during the game, after the game, saying to, to my friends, I, I do not want to see Arsenal we scored one of the most lucky goals. It was, it was when uh, I think Kepper cleared it off the line after a yeah. back pass and then Smithrow bundled it in. Um, and that was in the 16th minute or something. After that, we didn't get out of our half. And I have to say, I, I find it painful. Not just, not just painful to watch because it's boring, but it's almost embarrassing. Chelsea, obviously, more so now than, than then, are an absolutely fantastic team. But they took a rookie manager and they replaced him with someone who's clearly world-class. We have taken a rookie manager and kept him and kept him. Right, still... I,
1: I taking all that into account, two devil's advocate points yeah, to make here. Surely, one is as as we often say, Arsenal had what the third best record in the league from from Christmas yeah. onwards, right? So yeah. results, results, at least. And performances once Emil Smith Rowe arrived in the team were, were, were much better. And secondly, even our defence was the third best as well in the league. So he has improved the defence, if not, and our record against the big the big teams has also improved. There's a couple of things he has improved statistically. But you're saying that's not enough.
0: I th- statistically, yes, of course, and you know you can't argue with with those statistics, of course, but it sounds silly possibly to say, but you look at the record books and it says that Arsenal beat Chelsea 1-0, but I don't personally, from a personal point of view, I watch, obviously I want Arsenal to win, but I also want to enjoy watching Arsenal. Um, And I, I don't think any Arsenal fans could really enjoy that game. I was watching it through my fingers, just waiting for the Chelsea goal. And of course it didn't come, but where I say that I, you know, it's difficult, in, you know, you try to, to you play it over in your head, Is because I have sympathy in the sense that I think Arsenal have got some really, really terrible players, some really terrible players that, that wouldn't get into pretty much any other Premier League side. However, I think our manager is the bigger issue, and I do believe there are managers that can get a lot more out of, out of the players that I do think are, are poor. Some of those players that I think are really poor, he has been responsible, if not singling them out, but he has been responsible for signing them. He's been the manager at the time anyway. You know, I think of uh, Pablo Mari that started at centre back for Arsenal on, on on Friday night. It's again, I have to use the word embarrassing. It's, it's it's frightening that he is playing for Arsenal in a Premier League football match. I've never seen, I can't have ever seen William Saliba play. But again, I question Arteta is clearly responsible for falling out with players. I didn't, li- I don't like Wenduzi. I think I didn't actually. I know a lot of people do. I don't like his personality on the pitch. I don't think he's all that, and I'm, I'm happy for him to go. But there's something that he's fallen out with him. It's fallen out of a £30 million defender who is, um, you know, clearly old enough to be playing in the Premier League. Albeit, look, he's old enough. He'd, he's, you'd want someone experienced next to him, but he's old enough to be playing and he's fallen out of him. He's clearly fallen out of Aubameyang. These are players that could be playing for Arsenal under a different manager, but our manager, who, again, I don't think is all that at all, is responsible for the, for, for these players for not playing or not playing we're doing so badly but there are players that are signed up to Arsenal who aren't playing or are falling out of our manager and they're on loan or or going to be released
1: yeah i take tell you a point Alan a couple of things just to to, to, that that baffle me about Arteta's decision making um, just in the game just in the game on friday really first of all the, picking pablo mari after he's shown in pre anyone who watched those games against chelsea and spurs in pre-season he was terrible i mean he was absolutely he was shockingly terrible and he's never been that great as he's had one or two kind of decent games i would say um why not you know why pick him i don't know why he's picking him um there are other options we've got other options at center back rob holding you know did i mean i'm not saying i'm not Rob Owen's biggest fan, but for me, he's more reliable than Pablo Mari. Um, and he took off, um, uh, he took off, you know, the right back and put on the, our new left back in the substitution when he still had three left, three right backs on the bench. He snubbed three right backs, including your favorite Hector Bellerin. And I know whatever you think about Hector Bellerin, I mean, that was pretty amazing to do that. Um, I don't know what, what that was all about. And just his whole kind of um, his tactics his the way the team plays as Ricky said,
2: it's not looking good, is it? it's not uh, you, you nearly sidetracked that into the subject of Hector bellerin and uh, you know, yeah I want, to, I want to cover that elsewhere yeah <laughs> yeah um, but I, it's it's the kind of thing that I mean I know I know Ricky realized it when he was actually at the match and saying. This is not a good performance. And then being surprised at the stats afterwards. I think one of the things that I thought after the game were the, the number of stills on Twitter that came up of pictures of oh, yeah. player A is in this position. Mm. This is his uh, angle of view. And the decision he made was to pass there when now that you're looking at that steal. <laughs> um, as, Mostly as, involving Xhaka, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, as time is paused, you can clearly see that it should have gone elsewhere. Now, they are professional footballers that should be able to make that decision in a split second. I mean, sometimes it's harsh to show a steel picture and say, well, you know, he was running at the time or had someone on him and that person wasn't as clearly imbued. But those kind of steals have been produced for most of Arteta's um, reign at the club. And it comes down to two things. It comes down, well, it, it comes down to one thing, and you have to decide what you think it is. Is it the players have been told to actually make those decisions in that in that situation? Um, don't pass it as a through ball to the player that's running on because, you know, one out of four times they'll connect with it, but the three other times the defence pick it up, let's play to percentages, keep possession. It should go wide at that point. But so many of those steals point to the fact that if the players, if the players have been told to do it, it's an utterly bizarre tactic that goes in with all the other things that you said in this question. And if not, it's that the players aren't capable of taking the initiative of saying, surely that through ball is much better than giving it out wide. But I think it's all about giving it out wide. And I think they've been told that that is the the policy. And, you know, as you said about the crosses, that, that he, there are so many damaging things that I don't think he can come back from. And and you know, like Ricky's always already said, like surely at some point he will go prior to Aubameyang leaving. And and there seems to be like almost a consensus in the fan base that Arteta will go before Christmas. It will happen one way, you know, it'll happen in some way. Mm. there's there's no way he gets he gets around this and and it will happen in some way and I think if we're all on that page then surely the club should be looking for a replacement if you know fans don't fan fan opinion doesn't doesn't count for much in certain situations but in this particular situation I don't see where anyone is wrong here Yeah, so
1: people are going to say it's only the first game of the season aren't they right but it's the first it's the first game of the season in a, in a in a fixture where we know as rickys mentioned with the next two games i mean and, and we've all mentioned you know we, we regard as ex- games that we're almost certainly going to lose well you know i do yeah. right,
2: I mean, right M- for, M- Merson, you've you mentioned Merson's quote yeah. he he is known for talking i mean i think he's a club legend he's my he was my favorite player yeah, during yeah. in the time he Same, was in yeah the club. And, uh, I know lying. what you're going to say, yeah. He yeah. does talk a little bit. No, I, I know. He does but talk nonsense, the, yeah. But I know. The, but the one thing he got right in this this particular run was the attitude of the players and the way that we approach the game. And, and that's on one person as well. And, and mm. I, I know some people say, well, it's only your first game. But when you add up all the things in that only, it's Brentford. It's, you know, as we said earlier, they came up via the playoffs. Teams coming into the division don't have a great record. Um, and we approached it like, oh, well, it's only Bramford. And, and, and those points, I think, were, were stronger than what Merson said about the, the, the other side of it, like the individual player criticism. But, but, and also, but the,
1: my, my point that I was trying to make is that, it's only the first game of the season, but all the issues have been going on for months and months and months. Yeah. Pretty much, you know, from the back, you know, even through our good period of results, the way, uh, the way we play, the predictable way we play in this slow, meticulous, methodical thing like we're trying to remember. It's almost like for me, like watching us, it's like the players are trying to remember what the manager wanted them to do in training. And it takes so long to get to that point of a move that we all worked out in training, that by which time the opposition team was completely happy to watch us try and play this thing in front of their defence. Maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he's constantly shouting at them. Yeah, I think it is why he's constantly shouting yeah. at them, and it leaves no room for improvisation, as you say. And we're scared. I the. For me, it's I, I. don't even think the team, those players that as the, with the Merson thing. I don't even think they, it's their attitude that's wrong. I think they're just scared, and I think that fear comes. has to come from the manager. I think Jacques is scared to place that through ball centrally to you know to the striker because he, he, he knows that the easy thing to do is just to give it to Tierney every single fucking time. And... Because Tini will come up with the Great Cross, albeit no one on the end of it to actually convert it. Yeah. But and that happens and and for that to happen time and time again, and it happened through the preseason friendlies, and people said you can't judge preseason friendlies, but you can when you see the team make play the same way gruelingly and make the same mistakes yeah. and can't fucking summon up chance actual good chances on goal. That is why I think I agree. I think that's why I think we're all agreed that unless something miraculous happens. You know, you, I can't see him doing much with the team. I,
2: I don't know the validity of the source of this, but there there were a few things floating around saying that certain players aren't that enamoured with the way that he he coaches them, and and you know, you'll get that everywhere because you know certain clubs, even when they're doing well, there'll be four or five people left out of the team that might be making sounds behind the scenes but this seems like it doesn't seem like that it doesn't seem like disgruntled players the quotes and however they've been leaked and whether they're true or not the quotes do seem to be you know more targeted than that and they seem to be because of this and given a very valid reason that it's it's micromanaged it's um you know it's the training sessions aren't i think one of them was that the training sessions aren't particularly enjoyable and Um, No, I I thought yeah, complicated, boring. My my first, my first mention of Arsene Wenger, and it's going to be a positive (laughs) one. It's going to be a positive one. I always got the vibe, even even in the times where we weren't doing so well under him, that the players bought into training and bought into everything about the club at that point. And you know, uh, pictures from training, open sessions. I mean, you can't you can't uh, you can't sort of decide it on that, but. I always thought that the players were sort of up for their work whenever they were training and they, they bought into stuff. And maybe they're not enjoying going to work at the moment. And, you know, mm. you might have been there in your own personal life. So if that happens, you never want to really be happy about the situation that you're in and uh, mm. and, and getting getting up to work in the morning. Uh,
1: uh, Ricky, let's talk about this Granite Xhaka situation um he's signing a new They've given him a new contract he's signing a new contract yet what you know merely a month ago maybe he was going to go to Roma it was clear that he wanted to leave it's, it's the Arsenal seemed to be happy for him to leave and now apparently our entire midfield is back being in his hands again <laughs> and he's going to be here for years to come and we've just got to fucking deal with it how what are your thoughts yeah, I think
0: the last, well, the last thing you say is, is the most important part. We just got to we just got to fucking deal with it because I, I I refuse to get my hopes up that he was on the way out because it was it was all too good to be true and it, that's exactly what it turned out to be. In fairness, I don't think he played too badly on Friday. Um, I think it was all right. Like I always, you know, as much as I um, hate watching him play football, I will give him credit where it's due. And again, you know, going back to this, should be – have would it have been better if Aubameyang and Lacazette would play? Yes, it would have done, but we were still playing Brentford and we should have been able to beat them without two players playing um, and party, of course. But yeah, unfortunately, I think probably said all I, all I can say about Xhaka, Um I think, I think he's terrible. I think that um, he won, know, he, w- he was in the Euros, the best 11 yeah, team, but yeah. and, and Swiss, I think Switzerland won one game in the Euros in normal time. So, and that was against yeah. the team that were awful. Um yeah. I, I, I think um, I was looking forward to, to the post-Jacques area, if you like. He's yeah. not, He's not. by the, the, the saddest thing is he's not our worst player. He's probably possibly, well, in my opinion, he's probably not even our worst five players. That is how bad yeah. we are. And I think Jacques is very bad. And I don't think it's just that he's bad at football, which is, you know, pretty fundamental when you're, when you're, when you're playing the game, but, I think it's just everything around him now. He's he's got this weird relationship with the fans where you, he spits opinion. It's it's not too dissimilar from Özil. When I was I was very pro Özil. Um, Whereas on the flip side with Xhaka, people seem to really like him. I don't get it. I think it's time he moved on from him. You know, I've seen some people say, well, at least this protects us because we can get a fee for him. Whereas he was, I think he was running into his last two years of his contract, and I know he only exercised an option for to stay on. I don't we're, know, not go- nice. we're
1: not going to sell him. There's no way we're going to sell no, him. No, I've just imagined imagine he'll
0: be playing until, what, until he yeah, retires.
1: I know what Ricky, like, you know, Shaka's perfectly capable of having some really good moments within a game. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah.
2: He's but, also, but, but most of the squad are. And this yeah. is the problem that we've been talking about for well over a decade in that, you know, we have a squad that's made up of people that if you wanted to make a highlight reel to make them look like some of the best players in the world, it's available to you. And the the same highlights are available to you if you want to make the opposite video. And that's that's exactly what they're all like. And um, the, the the whole Xhaka thing is utterly bizarre because, you know, having wanted to sell him and tried to seek out a replacement, how can you switch your strategy so much that he now is a bigger part of it? And this thing about, like... As you said, like some of some of the people say, well, at least it protects his value. Well, that's that's an absurd argument because if people don't want to come in and buy him at what is nearer his base level of of, of price, and at an age where he might do something for you, how on earth does? Does that expectation translate to, well, in two years' time they might pay more? Or that that's utterly, utterly baffling. And and he made him captain again. And, and you know,
1: and yeah. for me, I know I know people obsessed about the captain thing, but just fucking give it to Tierney then. I mean, t- forget you know, for me like that, it just underlines that Shaka sums up the whole period this period of mediocrity for me. And you know, you've got a brilliant young talent like Tierney, who has clearly has leadership qualities, you know. And just give him the fucking captain if when Obama's not, or, or was not playing. Not fucking, not, not, not go through this whole thing with Xhaka all over again.
0: Yeah, I, personally, I, unfortunately, you know, who was our, the last captain, my guess was probably Fabregas and maybe Van Persie, who you really like, looked up to, if you like. And as much, you know, I love Mertesacker, but there was no, the captain's, the captain's armband, I think, in general is a bit diluted but better Arsenal really has been a weird period Merzsaka and Arteta I think they were both captains they barely played a game between them hmm. um I'm not bothered about who wears the armband personally, um, you know, unless, you know, I love it if we had someone who, you know, like a Tony Adams figure or whatever, the Vieira, but that's not, that's, that's not going to happen in the near future. So I'm not so bothered about that. I think the thing with Jackie like I said, you know, I'm almost, past talking about him because it's almost a joke amongst my friends how much I dislike him. But, um, but the thing with, he, he has the ability to just turn a game on his head in the most negative way. Like you look at Bernie last season, that just summed him up. He kicks the, yeah. virtually kicks the ball into his own net. Um, like I said, I was really looking forward to, to moving on from him completely. There's no sign of that anytime soon. I agree with Alan really about this whole protecting his value. No one clearly wanted him because they've all watched football matches and know that yeah. he's not worth having in their team.
1: Alan, what do you think about the whole, um, that, I, I agree, what do you think about the, Ben White? What do you think about Ben White's debut and the fact that on TV, I think um, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher were going on about how when he played for Brighton, he played in a back three with three, three, three tall central defenders either side of him, and playing for us without that, he's not very good in the air. He was easily beaten in the air multiple times in the game in, in the game against Brentford, and you know we paid fifty million for him. Oh, it, it, you know, are you, how was your feeling about him?
2: I mean, I. <laughs> I don't want to go in on him as a player in in podcast number one after his debut for the oh, club. Oh, go on! No, 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 because I, I don't think I don't, I don't think it's either fair, fair, or I don't think I have the right arguments to back it up one way or the other. But you have to say that everything you've just said is probably true, and you know the the analysis from Sky eventually settled on the fact that we bought the wrong centre back for the <laughs> system that we. Want to play, and yeah. that then points to stuff behind the scenes and whether it was Arteta requesting him or some kind of procurement policy they have to look for. You know, centre backs with good stats because he did have very good stats last season, and you can see that if you did if you went through the Stat DNA model of of looking at players that were good defenders last season in the Premier League and cope with the Premier League, that would be it. But you could equally. And again, going back to this highlights thing, you can e- equally show a few highlights where he didn't look, you know, one of the best players in that respect. I was optimistic in pre-season that he, the games where he came on, he did actually mop stuff up in a way that mm. suggested he would be almost um, someone that could cancel out those errors that, you know, Ricky mentioned with like Burnley last season and things like that with, with Jackie, you know, would be someone that would be, you know, diving in late and, stopping things like that from happening. But there was no evidence of that at Brentford. And as you say, you know, you can't be bullied, out muscled by any teams in this division, let alone newly promoted ones. And I mean, it's the debut where hopefully he learned a hell of a lot about the way he's going to have to play in this team and the kind of things that occur
0: in our matches that he's probably not used to. We I mean, maybe but, uh, on, so on Ben White. I think um, I'm confident that he'll be a good signing for us. So 50 million is a lot of money, but he's 23 years old. Yeah, if you take away the fee, I think no one would argue with that. Which I know is maybe a, a silly thing to say, but you know we're going to always pay more for a young English player, and I'm and I'm not displeased that we signed him. I think that playing against playing next to Padre Mari will never help anyone. <laughs> Yeah. um i i didn't i you know i didn't know that Carragher never said that, but it was actually a point I made to the people I was watching the game with is that he did play in a back three with Brighton he played in a back three with um I think Adam Webster, who is incredibly tall and Lewis Dunn who's known for his heading ability. Ben White lost every header, I think or it seemed like he lost every header to Evan Tony, which is no disgrace, but ben Ben White is not I think he. I think, he, I think he won about three out of seven or eight, I think. It was. Okay, so he's not, he's not going to win lots of headers for Arsenal. No, no. Unfortunately, the way I see Arsenal's defence is that we've spent £50 million on one player, and our defence is worse than it was last season because not a lot of people may be assigned to this view, but I think David Luiz would still be our best centre-back if he signed for the club again tomorrow. He, don't get me wrong, David Luiz had yeah. his faults, but you can't, I don't believe, you can tell me that any centre-back at Arsenal right now is better than David Luiz. So I didn't, I didn't necessarily disagree with him going because he was, again, I think 33, 34 years old. And maybe, again, it was time to move on. But we signed one centre-back to replace him when I would have said we needed another centre-back anyway. And that centre-back is 23 years old. I can't blame him, but he's not as good as David Luiz yet. He will be. He's in a similar mould. He's very good with the ball. But we need another centre-back, I think, next to Ben White. We're not going to sign one because we've got another three first-teamers in Gabriel, Mari and Holding, whether you think it should be first-teamers or not, and Saliba out on loan. So I don't I don't expect great things from Ben White at the moment because he's he hasn't got a good partner next to him. He's not the finished article and he's playing hope, in a team that I don't yeah. think is gonna help him. I wonder yeah,
2: whether we, go on. So I was just saying we we you know, last season we were I think we were the least consistent defensively in terms of
0: our lineup. I think it yeah. changed more than any other team in the division. And I know I, I, I imagine Liverpool probably trumped that, but they had their own issues
2: there, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, well, I think because their injuries occurred earlier, I think it's still us. Yeah, really? it's, it's, us. yeah it's, it's us. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. us. Yeah. We were only unchanged twice, weren't we? Oh, sorry, we were unchanged yeah. in two games, if you and, like. There was, yeah, in the whole season. That's
2: and you, nice. have, you have to wonder if it goes back to the points we were discussing earlier about, you know, Arteta almost being trying to be too... Injuries aside, when there's not when there aren't sort of injuries to factor in, then was he trying to be too clever to almost pick a defence per match? Because as anyone knows, and, you know, harking back to the days of the back four, that's, ne- that's never going to happen again because, you know, there's too many demands on on players these days. But surely you settle for at least your best defence in as many games as you can field it. And I don't think he did that. I think he did tinker around with that. And I think... he. That was more micromanagement of, you know, we won't play that certain player there. We'll we'll Hmm. do that because he'll suit that game. It never works. Those things never work. He seems obsessed. I asked this
1: on Twitter, this question on Twitter. He seems obsessed with having a left footer and a right footer in central defence. And that seems to be a big reason why he's picking Pablo Mari. Over, you know, and, and for me, I was like, this never didn't used to happen. I don't remember, you know, George Graham being obsessed about having a left footer and right footer in central defence and uh, you know, it, it, people who knew a lot about defences, you know. it's just it seems to be his obsession. And I see loads of other teams, you know, Man United constantly playing with two right-footed players and, you know, etc etc doing pretty well, you know. I, 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 what is, what's up? I don't get that particular element of his thinking. I
0: don't I, I don't think anyone does, Boyd. I, 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 it makes sense in theory, but I think, I think I'm think i right in saying that Nathan Ake is uh, left-footed. And obviously, John Stones didn't play yesterday in Man City. His old mate Guardiola played with uh, a right-foot and a left-foot center back yesterday. That. Look yeah, that another one. One
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, before we, before we we've got to get to um, the Chelsea game soon, but I just want to... Um, a couple of things quickly. First of all, um, the goalkeeper in that situation, particularly going back in, in, in the Brentford game, being fouled. I agree with Alan. I think you said it was definitely a foul. I think it was definitely a foul. But, equally, was, a foul. but at the same time, I felt like, you know, he, he can't get himself in that situation. Can He's got to react quicker to someone literally molesting him and standing on him. As, as, yeah. as the Brentford player did. So he has to take some responsibility for that, doesn't he? Uh, and I feel like generally, Leno is not in a good place at the moment. Another one of our players who's not in a good place at the moment.
2: I I have an online Guna column, which is called The Last Word, and um, you should all go and read that, obviously, uh, as much as I enjoy, enjoy doing the uh, podcast. I, I, I
0: have read it, Alan, I have read it. I, know, I, read uh, it. I did, I did uh, see some of your points on there, which I agreed with, actually.
2: Uh, uh, you say that like you don't usually read. No,
0: I did. I, did, I it sounds like that. It wasn't, wasn't that it wasn't that at all,
2: yeah, I mean, wasn't we that at all? I will read up. it imminently. So one of the points I made on there is exactly, where well, it's almost exactly what you just said, boy. So in that situation, he's got two options. Make it much clearer to the officials that he's being fouled by that guy or be a lot stronger and shake him off. He decided for this really timid middle ground of, OK, right, he's got me here, but I, I might be able to get free. And by the time he got free, he didn't even go for where the ball was going. It was almost like he bottled out of the whole situation. Yeah. And like yeah. you say, he doesn't look in a good place because of that. Terrible.
1: And the other, quickly before we go, two, two, two issues. Bellerin wants to go, Alan, apparently, <laughs> according to Hornstein. Let him go, fuck off. Do we care?
2: Oh, well, look, I mean, there is so much to say about that that, I mean, I could do a whole podcast on him. I mean, look, he, his his whole attitude while he's been at the club, I don't think has been great. And and the other thing that I would say about that is that he seems to have a, an inflated view of himself that is not felt, and gla- and gladly we're seeing it now is not felt in in in, in, fo- in football in Europe because otherwise people would be queuing up to take him. So people say pre-injury he had. You know, so much potential. I agree that he had potential, but he hadn't really shown much before that. And and after that, people seem to be like trying to equate his personality off the pitch with the fact that oh, well, if he's if he's lacking in ability in these areas and is playing badly, his personality and the fact he's a great person off the pitch should should help that extra percent. But why is that a debate? I, I've never understood that. It's a bit like the the England the England penalties from from the Euros going off at a tangent here is that it's absolutely fine to say you think Saka, Rashford and Sancho or any combination of those players took a bad penalty. It's absolutely fine to say that. If you are combining that or taking that out to be racist abuse, that is absolutely abhorrent and there's not a chance that you, you deserve to air your opinion. And it seems to be like, Why have we created a grey area in that place? Like, this this Bellerin thing is like, If he's a good person, we should put up with him as a bad player. That's because we want.
1: It's human. It's human behaviour. I I, I want to believe that he can be as good a player as he once was. I think he once there were periods where he was really good, but then I do think he's declined. I don't think they were. I
2: honestly don't think they were extended periods. I know. All right,
1: there were brief. There were periods. I think there were periods, but I I desperately, as a human being, I want this lovely, bold, you know, great force for good to be a really good football at the same time. And right now, I can't make that case. Yeah.
2: why are we Sorry. crossing those issues? Why are we crossing those issues? I, crossing know. I know, it's just saying human behaviour, Ricky.
0: Yeah, I I actually agree with both of you. I think on one hand, I love Bellerin's personality, but it's actually I actually find it sad watching him play football anymore. I think he's got so bad that I don't think there's any coming back. And I think, sadly, I think it's time for him to leave. Just on the, just sorry to go back onto the Leno point. I have an issue with saying that he should have done this and he should have done that. As far as I'm concerned, there's, there's a man on the pitch whose job it is to decide whether things are fouls or not. And there's also two lines when there's also VAR, which I despise, but Leno is being fouled. He doesn't need to rant and rave. And yes. Okay. Maybe there should be someone who's helping him out in there but he has fouled 100% oh. and it's the ref's job to say that's a free kick
1: yeah I mean last season that would have definitely been disallowed by VAR is, is, it, it? there's this it, whole it really new VAR goes. thing going yeah, on There's part of that but finally, joke. finally the finally. final thing before the and the, the producers are going to be furious that I've gone on this long the final thing before we predict what's going on with Chelsea is it looks like Odegaard is back on he didn't it wasn't in the in the Madrid squad at the weekend um, all the talk among the football people journalists the people the know seems to be that it's quite likely that we're going to get it is that is that are you happy with that, Ricky? Odegaard coming back, yeah. would you rather we went for another?
0: Um, no, nah, I, I think Odegaard's a nice player. Um, he reminded me quite a bit of Ozil with some of his vision and um, some of his passes when he was here. That unfortunately, Erd- is will improve us, but he won't fix us. I think it's a good signing. I can't think of anything wrong with the signing. I don't think it's going to cost us a huge amount of money, as far as I'm aware anyway, or less than Madison. It's a good signing, but we need, we, need a he- we need a hell of a lot more, a hell of a lot more then just then, just add God, and just one through just very small point apologies on on Friday night. Like we've, There are a lot of England players that have played that started for their teams. You look at Luke Shaw started at left back for Man United yeah, because yeah. their other left back was injured. Yeah. We had, we had Florent Balligan play up front for us and we had Saka on the bench. When you've got no Lacazette and Abame, you have to start Saka on Friday. Oh, yeah. okay, and it okay. completely backfired. He came on his heads and shoulders above nearly every player in our squad. And we had a guy making his Premier League debut for 60-odd minutes and he didn't get a kick.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I completely agree with that. He could he could have played Martinelli up front. He could have played Zaka. I understand it,
2: Yeah, I, I always think that with with, with management in that, you know players that you want to protect because you think they're not not fit or not up to last in the ninety minutes. Get them on at the start and yeah. then see if that's the case. Yeah. at Definitely. fifty, at fifty five, at sixty, and and um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was the the mad thing. Absolutely. And Alan on Odegaard, are you happy with Odegaard? Yeah. I think it's about 20 million. They're saying, but mm. I completely—I can't add to anything Ricky's just said there. In that, it's—it's the kind of thing we go. That's okay, you know. That—that'll be all right for the squad. It doesn't—it doesn't overwhelm me, and it doesn't yeah. seem to me it's the—the uh, the next building block in a process of getting us back to where we—where we, where we want to be.
1: Yeah. And finally, what is going to happen when we play Chelsea in our first home game of the season on Sunday and we face presumably uh, the uh, debut of Lukaku, returning Lukaku, the kind of player that will send paroxysms of fear up Pablo Mari, uh, one presumes. Ricky?
0: We'll win (laughs) 1-0. Oh! crazy mofo. Yeah, I can't (laughs) say we're going to lose. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we'll win one now. come We've through. got a good record against Chelsea, haven't we, Alan? Recently, I mean,
2: yeah. And, and, and sorry, you almost stole my thunder there Rick, because it's like football has a way of just making any of these predictions look a bit look a bit stupid. And the amount of Tottenham fans that thought they were already beaten before kick off yesterday in uh, you know my, my my friendship group and WhatsApp groups with, with mm. them, they all thought that they were going to get absolutely spanked yesterday and. Um, it didn't materialise because football a funny game of, you know, small amount of chances and stuff like that. So I don't think it's absurd to suggest that we might nick 1-0 in that game. And that's obviously what we've got to hope for and try and be positive on this podcast because um, there's every chance before kick-off that that can happen.
1: So is that your official prediction?
2: 1-0. Yeah,
1: Eddie, amazing. Say stole my wow. <laughs> Sorry. Anna. Okay, no, that's good. Um <laughs> I was going to predict a draw, but then I don't really see his drawing many games. Yeah, so you can be
0: the same one in this group.
1: Probably. I'm going to be the same <laughs> one in this group and say, we're going to lose 2-1. Yeah. I think we'll lose 2-1. I think we'll score, but there we go. We don't even know if Aubameyang and Lacazette are going to be back. Apparently, you know, I saw reports saying they're still going to be ill. <laughs> I presume that's to do no, with how still long. To be Ill. Still ill, as the Smiths once saying. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: Um, thank you so much, Ricky. Pleasure. Um, Pleasure. And thank you so much, Alan, as well, of course. Um, Pleasure. Enjoyed it. And uh, we'll be back next week, um, by which time maybe Josh will be back from holiday. Who knows? Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, we will be back. Cheers. Bye.
2: This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.